Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gabby Rosen Podcast. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Rosen Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. My guest this week is the comedian, actress, and author Ellie Taylor. We sat down to have a chat towards the end of last year. We talk all about her Sunday Times bestseller book, My Child and Other Mistakes, and she shares some brilliantly funny stories about her toddler. We discuss the MASH report and how a clip of her from that show has been watched by millions and millions of people and was then reposted by Madonna and now Jennifer Aniston, which gives her such a thrill. She talks about her love of Victoria Wood and how she was a trailblazer for women. Of course, we chat about the multi-award-winning Apple TV show, Ted Lasso, and our mutual admiration and love for the goddess Hannah Waddingham. Her Netflix show, Cravings, and we talk about working together on Gabby's Talking Pictures on Radio 4. We both love silly, and she talks about the joy of simply being silly. I do hope you enjoy. Please, can I ask you a favour? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. Lovely, beautiful Ellie, who doesn't look anything like Steve Tyler. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Gabby? I'm really well, my darling, but you really don't look like Steve Tyler. <laughs> there is definitely a resemblance. There really no! is. No! <laughs> and I know you have it on your website, and I know you've said it before, because we worked together on two series, which was fabulous to work with you, on Talking Pictures. And you always said you look like Steve Tyler. And I've decided to tell you once and for all, you don't. Thanks, Gabby. I love that I don't even get his daughter. I don't get Liv Tyler. I always get, no, Steve, specifically uh, OAP man. That's what I get. That's me. But who said that to you? Who said it to you? I can't remember who initially said it, but it was. it's just so, you know, when I bring up photos of him, I'm like, I really can't deny that um, there's, def- there's definitely something going on there. But hey, he's a very handsome man. I'll take it. I'll take it. And also that song. See, I can't believe that that song is allowed to ever go out on radio. You know what the song? song? 
What's Isn't he the one that's on Love in an Elevator? Isn't that him? Yeah, that, that's him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's me. Go, th- yeah. go through the words. <laughs> okay, maybe I need to listen to the words a bit, a bit more. Love in an elevator, <laughs> living it up while I'm going down. Oh, ooh, fair enough. Yeah, bit maybe spicy. it's just. Yeah, maybe it's just my mind. There we go. There we go. I think it's when I talk to you that I just turn into this. <laughs> Complete giggly mad person. You you know what? You're a real joy. You're a, a joy giver. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough uh, to work with you for two seasons on uh, Talking Pictures for Radio 4. And chatting to you and interviewing you, there are conversations that were had in the dressing room. And part of it, I think, oh, I can't say that. Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> Including your discussions of when you were pregnant. Because, well, you... You were just pregnant when we taped the second season, weren't you? I was, no, I just had the baby. That was it. And had I had to that was it? Yeah, I had to whiz back to get home for feeding. That was it. She was only a few months old, I think. No, but were you pregnant then the first series? Oh, I can't. You were. Was yes. I? I don't remember. Maybe. Well, they were a year Maybe apart. Yeah, maybe. I can't remember, Gabby. It's all so long ago. It's all a blur of not sleeping much. <laughs> yeah, that happens. And trust me, even when they get older, there's no such thing as sleep. Because no. then you worry about what time they're coming in. Oh, God, I can't even imagine that bit. I know everyone like always says as they get older, it's big kids, big problems. Oh, God. I just, I'll worry about her not eating enough broccoli. That's what I'll stick to. No, her. you know what? That's the next book. Don't worry about yeah. it. Just think, yeah. Sunday <laughs> Times bestseller. Third book. Third trimester of childhood. Yes. Oh, my goodness. What's it like being a Sunday Times bestseller? Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm flipping chuffed. Yes. Um, yeah, delighted. Yeah, really, really chuffed. So I wrote my book, uh, My Child and Other Mistakes, uh, sort of at the end of the pandemic, once the nurseries were back open. So I finally got some time to myself because before that I was just, you know, it was just me and the toddler. And I really hoped that I might get, I might scrape into the top 10 for a week. But I'm, yeah, I got like top five and it was in there for three weeks. So yeah, really, really delighted. And you know, more than that, is the messages that I get from uh, parents and predominantly mums actually who say how much they've enjoyed the book and how much it's resonated with them and how sort of comforting it's been. And that brings me so much joy. And I've shed a few tears for these beautiful stories that these mums will share with me. And I feel so delighted that my tricky times can sort of be like a little cuddle to another mum. It means so much because I flipping love a mum now. Ever since I, like, I love, I'm a big girl's girl anyway, and I've always loved women. My ideal living situation would be some kind of female commune. That's what, I love my husband, but you know. Yeah, bye-bye, Phil. Yeah, ladies. Um, so, um, yeah, but now I've had a kid. I just, uh, mothers particularly, I really adore, and especially newborn mums. They're my absolute faves. So to feel like I can sort of lift a few knackered women out of the depths of despair for a few minutes while they read or listen to my book has been a thrill. But also, I know, I, I've told you this before, but I know a few guys who have felt exactly the same. And there's a friend of mine who just said, I don't know. I, I don't know how to do this. I just don't know how to do this. And I remember having my first baby and my mum died years before and I have literally no one uh, who could help. And I remember sitting there about day six in the chair next, just sitting there like a zombie thinking nobody told me about this. Nobody said about 
the hurt and the 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 pain and the carry on bleeding and the the um not being able to sleep and the slight the, the sort of the excitement but the crying and I remember mm. you know when you cry and your eyes your eyes are open and you're crying and you go where did what how did that happen yeah. I didn't even yeah. feel it coming all of those things and I remember discussing it with people and they said nobody ever talks about that but you've done that you've actually talked about all of those feelings, but you've made it funny. You've made it endearing. And that's why it's a success because you've had the balls to go out there and say, look, this is how it is. And everybody does. I can't. Do you know what? I love everybody. But there's something about the barefoot earth mother that goes, oh, being pregnant, isn't it marvelous? I wanted to slap them. And go, No, no, it's not. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, it's... um. Yeah, I think I I did want I did want. I'm just going to close my um, utility room door because I can hear my washing machine. Oh, okay. yes, Stand by. <laughs> we'll keep this in. The reality of podcasting. It's all showbiz here. It's all showbiz. Yeah, we're going to keep that uh, in because we love that. <laughs> um, yes, I really wanted to be speak very honestly because I think what I found was that there's so much when you're pregnant so much is sort of focused on reading about the baby and what you know how how things will be once the baby's here in regards to the baby how much they will sleep and what you need to buy but there was nothing I really read that gave a really good account of the sort of emotional impact that it will have on you as a mum and I think to to sort of the, the realization that you know, you don't just have the child and, you know, as soon as you hold them, you are a mother. It's an abs- It really is a process of, of yeah. that transition where you go from person to parent. Um, and it took, it, I think it obviously takes different people a different amount of time to adjust, but it took, it took me a while. And I think uh, no one had spoken about that. And I, and I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't, hadn't read anything that I, I, that sort of prepared me. So I really do hope that this is sort of, uh, it's a good insight into if you haven't had a kid it's a good insight about what it will be like but I also think what what I love about it is that it seems to be giving a lot of women sort of you know affirmation that you know their experience that they have they've gone through is very normal and is okay and just to just to have your experiences reflected back to you I think because yes. it's so healing because it is it is um obviously having a kid happens all the bloody time it's not that very interesting you know to anyone else of course it's not people pop out babies every day and yet to the person who has the baby it is a massive experience and I think that's the the strange thing that we live in the strange world that we live in is that we sort of dismiss um pregnancy and birth and becoming a mother as something that's very run of the mill and to some extent it is but on the other hand to each family it is seismic and life-changing and it's kind of working out that duality and um you know understanding that it's not it's not everyone's bag but to to those people who've just become parents there's it's a real period of adjustment and it's massive and it's really overwhelming it's the most profound thing certainly that I've been through the most profound shift I've had in my life and I yeah to be able to sort of share that with women and have them relate to it is is wonderful with your toddler will you let her eventually read the book that is titled my child and other mistakes how to ruin your life (laughs) in the best possible way so you know are you going to let baby uh, read this when baby's big girl and how does your mum Jill feel about this um 
my child, yeah, she will. I think I'm, well, I don't know if she can be bothered. She probably won't care, will she? It's nothing more <laughs> boring than your mom when you're older. But if she wants to, I'm absolutely, she's absolutely welcome to read it. I would love her to because really it's kind of a love letter to her and my experiences with her because I think the, the thing that I sort of say throughout the book is that you can love your child and hate the experience of, you know, newborn life and there has been some awful bits of toddlerdom, but I still absolutely adore her. And I, you know, and I, I would hope that, if she did read it, it would encourage, if she did one day want to have kids, it would encourage her to talk to me about how she was finding it. So I think it just open, it opens up discussions, doesn't it? And it did actually, yeah, like you should mention my mum with it. It did open discussions between me and my mum about how she'd felt, about her experiences of um, having my sister, who was her first child. So uh, mum has read it. Mum has given the seal of approval. Oh, so good. we're okay there. We're okay there. I'm I'm really pleased that they, it's a really nice record for me as much as anything else that, you know, all my experiences documented and put down. Like what a privilege really to have time to sit down and write about this most amazing thing that happened to me becoming a mum. And I think, I think to be honest, that's part of it is I've had so many women going, oh my gosh, it's like I could have written that. I, that's my story. And it's basically because I have had the time to sit down and write it because luckily it was my job for a little while. It's such an, like, it, it, how lucky am I to be able to have that time? Whereas most women do not get time to sit down and consider what they went through sort of process it put it down in print so I yeah I feel very lucky that I've I've had that chance but you use the word luck quite a lot you do because obviously I know you but then I do all my research on you and I see that word coming up a lot funnily enough it's one of those words that I was thinking I'm going to ask you if you feel lucky about being in you know, the right place, the right time or whatever it is. I mean, I, I'd i like to take you back to um, the Miller pub, your first ever gig. <laughs> yes. How lucky did you feel to be doing that? And what was that like? If you go back to that moment? Yeah, so that was probably 2008 or something, 2009. Oh, no, so it was before anyway. Show Me the Funny, wasn't it? Yeah, before, yeah, before any TV. So it was like, yeah, about, I don't know, 12 years ago or something or anyway it was a long time ago and I did yeah I'd seen a friend of mine do a stand-up gig there and I thought oh I can do that we went both went to university and we did the same course so I thought we're quite similar people we've got the same sort of skill set I'll have a go and I felt yeah I really enjoyed the first gig actually because I didn't know what I was doing yeah and I I, I didn't think I'd do it again to be honest I didn't think I'd do another really gig, but no but I just started dating my uh, boyfriend who's now my husband um, and he came along I think to that gig and afterwards he was like oh that's really cool you should do more of that you're, you're good at that and I only basically carried on because I wanted to impress him because he was like 10 years older than me and a, you know an impressive older man I was like okay anything to impress you um, so I carried <laughs> on to sort of show off to him which is not the best way to pick a career uh, and probably something I won't you know be advising my daughter to do the same actually I think he's been absolutely fundamental to my career having the right partner because you know previous partners would never have entertained the fact that I could have been a comedian it would it would have just sort of been a non-starter with them but for for my husband it when he first met me and I was working in marketing you know he had no knowledge of me doing anything sort of performance wise and yet for him it was an absolute no-brainer that of course I should be in performance and of course I should carry on with stand-up and then when I got the chance to do um, an ITV show called Show Me the Funny which was sort of like the x-factor for comedy when I was, you know, I had never been paid for a gig by this point, but I got asked to do the show uh, and it meant quitting my day job and all that jazz. But for me, it was a terrifying decision for him. It, like I said, absolute no brain. He was like, of course you should do it. Of course you should quit your job. It makes complete sense. So that was very lucky finding someone who would back me when I didn't, I wasn't sort of ready to back myself. Phil is a sort of uh, 
Uh, he's a reporter. He's an Australian reporter, news reporter. So he has that performance mode in him. And your mum was into Amdram. So that performance mode is some. It's around you. It's buzzing around you. It is. Yeah, I think I do. Like, I like show offs. I do like a show off. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I suppose yeah. The, definitely the sort of show off stuff comes from my mum's side. Um, and yeah, maybe I'm drawn to Phil because of that. I, yeah, I like, I've always sort of been interested in the TV world. So that's probably why I was working in TV in a very loose sense. I was working marketing at a news channel. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it's funny how it, yeah, it sort of circled me and then, and I'm, now I do that. Is he still doing news reporting? Yeah, yeah. He's still at CNN. Yeah. Yeah. Still an international correspondent. So that, that the past 18 months must have been quite extraordinary because of the news that he was having to report while you were going through your own seismic change with with your baby and also not being able to do stand-up and and performance. Although, Ted Lasso, I know you did film in lockdown, which we will talk about, of course. Everyone needs to be more Ted. Um, but, But so it was a huge shift because you'd been so unbelievably busy, but now he's reporting on world pandemic um and and the changing the shift in the world so it must have been an extraordinary time for you two those 18 months yeah it was a funny old time because well yeah he was so he was working but sort of obviously working from home which is hard to say yeah an international correspondent not getting any more international than maybe going to the shops um and <laughs> I had to sort of give up all of my stuff because it was I there was no childcare all of a sudden so me as the person who's freelance um, I think which happened in a lot of relationships the, the freelance person kind of got sacrificed so the person with the salary could carry on so yeah I was full-on um, just you know parenting 24-7 which was um, not ideal for me like I, I absolutely get if you want to be a full-time parent that's you know it's a real choice and it's a blo- it's the hardest job tough, but that's God, not my respect yeah, to them. so tough so tough um and obviously it's not comparable and normal, you know, you know, a pandemic is not the same as, you know, actively choosing to be a stay at home parent when there are lots of things open. I get it's a different kettle of fish, but oh my, yeah, it was, it was a lot. And I was delighted when nurseries opened back up, but yeah, it was, it was a tricky balance. And I think getting, and I think for a lot of couples during um, lockdown, you know, getting the balance right was really hard when you're in the house all the time, but you, you're both gagging for some time on your own to do your own stuff. And resentment was a really tricky thing to navigate for me when I've, as a, you know, I hate using this word, but it's true, like as a creator, to not be able to create, I found really hard. I just got, I had no time to myself to just be able to sit down and write. And I found that very, very challenging. I felt very sort of like I'd stalled and it was it was horrible to just sort of yeah. sit there. But I kind of had to make my peace with that because it, it was what it was. Um, and once I, once I did sort of get my head around that and I, you know, to use a hackneyed phrase, I leant into it and I thought, well, this is, you know, you've got to look at the benefits. I would never normally have had this much time with her. Um, my husband would never have been at home this much. And we did have, you know, lunches together and dinners together, which we never would have had. So there were definitely lovely moments, but it, I, I, I wouldn't want to do it again. Let's say that. <laughs> no, I think, I think everybody would agree with yeah. you. Everyone would agree with you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, but, but as far as the, the performing goes, I mean, it's, you, you mentioned Show Me the Funny, which is, I, I, I remember it. It's the X Factor for, for comedians on ITV. And then it sort of snowballed. And where you are now, the fact that you've had a Netflix show, a, what, you know, there you are on the world television stage. Um, that's stupid. No, the world television screen. Yeah, I suppose. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. You're doing Cravings on Netflix, which was massive. You, you're then in a show which has been nominated for 20 Emmys, Ted Lasso. You know, that this is, I, I presume it's very far away from the Miller pub, from Phil <laughs> saying to you, carry on doing this. You didn't think you were going to be acting in a Emmy-nominated show that's, that's taken the world by storm. Like I said, everyone needs to be more Ted. If they haven't seen it, Watch this because it's one of my favourite shows of all time, I think, because Ted Lasso is one of the most beautiful characters ever, ever. Yeah, yeah, it is lovely. You know, I think, I mean, to bring back, bring it back to the word luck, I mean, it was, it was total luck that I ended up being in the show. It was one of, you know, just another audition where I traipse across London. I think, well, this is going to be pointless. You know, I'll have wasted half a day getting to somewhere and I won't get it. Um, because that's what happens in acting. I do lots of auditions and you don't hear anything back. And then, yeah, it's sort of, I got, I got a yes. And I was like, oh, hello. Um, and then it was all quite tricky. I remember it was, it was the first lot of filming was clashing with a lot of tour dates. And I think I had quite a lot on and it was like, I didn't know if I was going to be actually able to make it work. Um, and then, you know, managed to jiggle things around and do it. But, you know, when I was filming, I had no, I, I think no one did. Even the guys who were in, you know, the, the main stars of it didn't have any idea of how massive it was going to be. So sort of I, I pop up to do a little bit of filming. I'm not quite sure what the show is because I'm filming in isolation. I've no idea what the rest of, you know, the rest of the, the um, episodes have been like. So it was, yeah, it was all a bit of, a bit weird. And then when it came around, I was like, well, I don't, I, I, when, you know, when it came on, I'd like, um, when it dropped on Apple, I, I thought, well, I don't know if I've done a very good job. I, don't, I, I probably won't tell anyone that I'm in it. I'll just leave it. And then everyone started going, oh my God, it's really like, it's really good. And have you seen, and I hadn't had Apple TV. I hadn't watched any of it. I didn't know anything about it. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll have a look. And I was like, oh my God, it's brilliant. And oh my God, my scenes are okay. Um, so it was this lovely sort of revelation for me uh, uh, alongside everyone else finding it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, 
it was lovely. I mean, me and my husband don't tend to watch stuff. You know, we don't sit down and watch shows that I'm in. But this is one thing that we do sit down and watch. And my parents watch, which is unheard of. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an absolute it's an absolute joy to be a small part of such a massive show. And I get such a fun part. So I play a girl called Sassy in it. He's just a great character. She's just really ballsy and fun. Um, so, yeah, it's brilliant. And I get to play alongside amazing people like Hannah Waddingham, who is one of the best people in the whole She's world. She's a goddess. Goddess. She's, I've known her for many, many, many years. I and knew every time, you'd know her, Gabby. Yeah. I just thought she's got Gabby written all over her. <laughs> but she, every time I see her, I just go, goddess. And I always, when I ring her up and I, I wind up her daughter to make sure that I get mum to say yes to everything. And she just goes, stop it. Stop it. You're like a really bad, naughty aunt. I'm not, the, I'm not her daughter's aunt at all. But I like to wind up Hannah Waddingham because she's a goddess. She's a goddess. She really is. She's lovely. She's like, what a pleasure to have met her and like to meet, you know, the cast and is Jason. so lovely. Oh, lovely. Like, and Nathan. Nice guy. Yeah, oh, like all of them are just gorge. It's a gorge, gorge cast. Oh. Um, anyway, really uh, enough about them because this is all about you because I also <laughs> want to talk about the MASH report, which, yes. um, and you know I'm a huge fan of this, but obviously uh, me being a fan but it is very insignificant when you've got Madonna um, and I know everybody talks about this, but I remember, so I think I saw you or spoke to you the day that that happened because I remember having a conversation with you and you literally were just going, is, what, what, the, what the hell? Those weren't the words, but you know, what, 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 yes. how did this? And it just, it's what was so lovely and for people who now, because it's always talked about, I'm going to say that what was so lovely is that you were like an excited teenager that didn't quite understand how Madonna knew you. I mean, it was just your reaction was it was so adorable and it did blow your mind, didn't it? Well, yeah. So what? So yeah, I did a, a, a sketch on the Mash Report, which is a satirical news show, which is now it was on BBC, but it's, it's back on Dave yes, now, which is great. Yes. And I did a, a, a sketch on there, and it was all about as a sort of as my character Susan, the newsreader, and the, it and yeah, it was basically all about um, women tell everyone to fuck off. And it was this, you know, it was a beautifully written piece um, that I got to perform. And it just really, really resonated. It was it was a clip that's gone viral. I think it's got, at the moment, I think it's got something like 120 million views <gasps> online. It's no. mad. I know, it's insane, isn't it? And, it? and it sort of started getting shared by different people. And one of the people who shared it and put it on her actual, and her, on her proper Instagram feed was Madonna, which was madness. Um, so, yeah, and I think I remember, I think when that, the day that that happened, was um, I, I was quite poorly. I still had quite a new baby and I was quite ill with mastitis and it felt so odd that I was like in in bed, not feeling very well. And then Madonna was posting my face. And then I think that also happened around the time that my Netflix um, special came out and my name was literally up in lights in Times Square while I was in bed <gasps> with mastitis in my mum's house in Essex. And it was like, wow. the world is mad. The world is absolutely mad. Um, so yeah, it was, it's a delight when, you know, the stuff that you've done resonates 
with other people. And yeah, when it's Madonna or, you know, recent, more recently, it sort of flares up every so often that clip. Someone reposts it and it does the rounds again. It was Jennifer Aniston did the same oh thing Oh my recently. God. I know, it's so cool. It's so cool. Obviously, they don't know my name or anything, but they, like, I'm like, they've seen my face. They've seen me talk. So yes, it's really, it's really exciting. I've read that your hero was Victoria Wood. So sad that she's no longer here. I always, I've, when I say was, I just, I sort of do a double take because she was so vibrant you know, and, and yeah i was brilliant. once at a, a, a party at the edinburgh festival and she was there and it was quite a small little gathering and i didn't i was too scared to say anything and i really i'm one of my biggest regrets that i wish i could have said hello and thank you because she really was a big inspiration and i didn't even clock it when i was little it's only sort of in later life that i've gone you know she really stands out to me as it was just she was such a true example for me of a silly of, of being silly of how how yes. oh, it's okay to be silly and to and to really celebrate that silliness and the and her choice of language I love and I I I would hope that I try to emulate that in some way I love you know being really precise with my choice of language when I'm you know when I'm writing something um and yeah like she was she was incredible and I know that so many comics of my of my generation just sort of really were so inspired by her and I think she's brilliant her work absolutely stands up still today it's wonderful oh, I, was watching, I was caught a bit of dinner ladies the other night and it's just oh. it's so funny and it's just so clever and so gaggy like it's oh it's brilliant she was brilliant my um ex-boyfriend from many 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 years ago uh, decided to start running a comedy club and um, some of the stand-ups who, who are still going today and doing incredibly well uh, were doing it in this pub. And I remember one night um, a woman, it doesn't matter who it is, uh, and she's still doing her stuff and very well known. And she did stand-up. And I remember, and I was, I was, uh, I'd started out in telly. And I remember everyone going, oh my God, there's a woman. And I'm not, I promise I'm not exaggerating. Uh, everybody, women, men, it was unheard of. And but I remember sitting back and watching this and thinking, why? Why is everybody so shocked that there's a woman doing it? Mm. I was a kids' TV presenter, so and I was a woman, and I always had to have a male co-host. Everything there were always men. I was, you know, I was one woman with three male co-presenters, and everyone I was seen as the girl as the female but I remember everyone's reaction that there was a woman being stand-up and everyone thought it was incredible it's very obvious who that person is and I love her dearly and she likes cakes a lot but um uh, and but it was amazing everyone couldn't believe that the wonderful woman who might be involved in bake-off on a <laughs> uh, on the extra slice it might be her but but okay Joe was there and the reaction was extraordinary. Yeah, I think um, it is still seen as slightly subversive, perhaps a woman uh, being in control of a room, you know, being, you know, being alpha enough to be on stage um, to command an audience and being the one in control. It's not something that is typically associated with a typical feminine trait, is it? Being that sort of arrogant you do have to be slightly arrogant to get up on stage and want to do that and I do think yeah when you go on stage as a as a woman as a comic 
it tends to be it sort of feels like sometimes the audience or some of the audience members are judging all female comedians on on your performance if you have a bad gig then well that's it that's confirmed the fact that you know this stupid old adage that women aren't as funny as men um whereas if a bloke goes up and bombs then he's just he's just had a bad gig you know him and just him by himself he doesn't he doesn't carry the whole weight of his gender on his shoulders um and i think yeah sometimes it's a bit more weighted but i think I don't know. I've got, I suppose I've got used. I've got used to being, and I'm sure you had this, Gabby, as well. Especially when you were when you were starting out. Like you're often the only woman in the room at meetings and at jobs and stuff. And yeah, you sort yeah, yeah. of. Yeah, and I think I'm sure we're both over it. We're both old enough and ugly enough to deal with it ourselves now. But initially, it can be. It's it's a confronting situation. It can. You do feel very like, oh crikey, okay. You you do feel like the odd one out, and to sort of really have to speak up for yourself. Um, I mean, it's certainly, it, it makes you bold. And I do think it's made me, it's made me stronger um, for it. But it shouldn't, you shouldn't, shouldn't be that way, should it? We shouldn't, we shouldn't be sort of no, outnumbered. No, mm. you just reminded me of a story. It's really weird. We were all in a meeting um, and they were, it was all guys. And there was a female producer and all my co-presenters who were men, uh, the bosses who were men, another producer who was a man. We were all in a room. And and they were saying, oh, Gabby, you can do this item. And oh, my goodness. Like, really? You want me to do it? And I remember them all turning around saying, oh, you got your period. Oh, and I, God. It was, the, it was the go-to. And I remember saying to them, no, I haven't, but I'm due on in a couple of days. And they all got such a shock. <laughs> I, like, you answer back. Yeah, no, I get a period. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, oh, didn't you really? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, a couple of days, that's when. But, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was weird. Good on it was, you. Good it on was you. those yeah. sort of those sort of things. Um, but you're you've you're a woman with balls, and when you do your stand up, you 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 say it as it is, and you're you're you've I because I say this over um you know on in this season with lovely Josh Widdicombe. I think Josh Widdicombe has got funny bones. You know, last season we had Lee Mack, we had um Rob lovely Rob Beckett and um Rob Bryden and. Loads of the comedians and who I've I've lucky enough to have known a long time, and they've got funny bones. You've got funny bones. You just can't. I mean, when we did talking pictures, my favourite thing that you ever did on talking pictures was when you looked at the video of a film without sound, and you had to describe to your other team members what you were watching. I honestly, I think I might have let a little bit of wee wee out each time. <laughs> just funny. Oh. Thanks, Gabby. Yeah, I think um, I've got more comfortable being, uh, and I mentioned this word earlier, silly. As I've got yes, older, love got more, silly. Yeah, love I silly. love silly. And I think you're so sort of encouraged. I don't know, silliness is not a word that you usually associate with adults, is it? And I think I, w- I really try and encourage it in my daughter because I think it's so important to keep that yes. sense of play and being a wally. And I love being like, and she's at that perfect age now being a toddler where I really get, oh, I can really flex my silly bones with her and it's wonderful. Um, and I think, yeah, as I've got, you know, as I've sort of grown into being a comic, I've found out more what makes me laugh and you know, sometimes I am, I know my husband thinks I'm, I'm quite weird, I suppose. My husband thinks I'm quite weird. And especially like my weird, stupid stuff I do on Instagram, which is my, where I, where I really, I do peak silly on Instagram. Me um, too. Yeah, just Keep being of, yeah, silly. Yes, exactly. Actually, Gabby, that's so true. You really are. You're, you're very silly. You're very playful still. And I think 
Good. Yeah, let's let's keep on doing that because I think it's so important. Do you know who else I think is um, really funny and silly? Like Lisa Tarbuck is so silly oh, and I love that. Yes. I love that. I've met her a couple of times. I'm like, you're such a wally in the best possible way. And isn't that brilliant? Her radio show on Radio 2 makes the family love. So if we're in yeah. the car and we're going somewhere on a Saturday evening between, I think it's six o'clock she comes on. We just, it's like, put it on, put it on, put Lisa on. And we will all, she just says the most random things and yeah. I love and respect her for it. Absolutely, absolutely same, brilliant. And, you know, going back to Hannah Waddingham, she's a great example of silliness as well. I think I just, oh, I just like, a, I like me a silly woman. That's yes. what I'm into. <laughs> Is it, let's, I think it needs rebranding because silly, people think means stupid and stupid mm. can be a bit derogatory, whereas silly just means and let's all just laugh because, you know, t- you might, you might, today might be your last day. If you want to, like this morning, I just wanted to jump. My do- my 14-year-old daughter was late for school and I stopped the car. I said, I'm going to jump. She went, no, not now. I went, I'm going to jump. She said, why? I went, I need to, I just want to jump. I'm going to jump. So I jumped and we put it on Instagram and I said, no, you have to jump. Obviously, I don't, we don't, I don't put the kids on. And um, she said, no, mum. I said, just jump. So we stood in the road and we jumped. We had the car radio on really loud, listening to Chris Evans play, and the feeling were playing. And I put it on my Instagram as well. They were playing, um, you got to fight for your right to party. And we, the two of us, by the time she got to school, she left going, oh, I've got this first thing. We were in hysterics because we were being silly. We jumped. We Aww. jumped in the air. And that's what Todd, actually, going back to your daughter, that's what toddlers do. Toddler will jump into a puddle and it will give them so much fun. They'll pick up a box and they'll hide in the box and they'll fall over and bang their head and they won't cry. It's silly. It's fun. It's so silly. Yeah. And she's just, yeah, she's getting more silly. Everything is poo. So she was, she started saying to me, love you to the moon and back with poo. And yes. she, know it makes, she knows it and it makes me laugh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yes, you've, you've found your audience. Yes. Um, yeah, it's magic. It's really magic. A lovely skill. A skill, I'm going to call silliness a skill. It's a lovely skill to have. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, so what, you talking about what makes you laugh, and we always ask on this podcast, what makes you barely laugh? So what's the thing that makes you properly lose it? What makes me belly laugh is, I do, I mean, I quite like slapstick, I suppose. Yes, I, I good do girl. Love a, yeah, I love a video of someone falling over. Yes, it really yes. makes me <laughs> You, so me and Robbie Williams. Yeah. You, me and Robbie. Yes. <laughs> it's just something, there's just something so sort of basic about it. You can imagine that from the dawn of time, you can imagine cavemen finding it funny when one of their mates tripped over a rock. Do you know what I mean? It's just... yes. It's just so basic. It really tickles something primal in you. Um, I like that. I like, um, I mean, it, to be very specific in like in terms of TV, we started watching Veep again, which is just so beautifully written. And the little stinging one lines in there, they're all such horrible people. Um, and I really <laughs> enjoy that. Um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't really watch much comedy on telly because I'm a bit, it's a bit of a busman's holiday and I get a bit, it makes me feel a bit anxious. So I don't watch that much um, comedy. I think, yeah, on a, on a sort of everyday level, it is it is people being idiots and like, yeah, seeing someone fall over, you can't really beat that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, so there's more MASH reports, of course. And uh, the next book is going to be out when? <laughs> Oh, Gabby, give me a chance. No, you have to. You have to do the next stage. The next stage. 
I'm not, yeah, I've got to, I will think about it because I really loved the process, which I hadn't sort of anticipated. I really enjoyed writing the book. Um, but of course, you know, doing it sort of at the tail end of a pandemic was good because there was not much else going on. So I had lots of time. So if I can find a period of time where I've got some, um, yeah, some, some time to actually write something, I would love, I would love to write something again because it was, it was, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, and you, but you're going to be doing more stand-up. Yeah, I've still got a well, tour I've got now. to finish. You've got your tour. dragging on forever, the tour that will never die. Um, and then, yes, I suppose after that, I'll probably have to start thinking about writing some new stuff after two years of sort of being stalled and stuck with the same material. Um, so, yeah, I'll have to, I have to get back out there. But it's lovely to be back on stage and, you know, being, being silly in front of an audience, which is my absolute dream situation. So I'm really enjoying it. I will enjoy enjoy every moment of it, my sweet. And also, uh, Talking Pictures are going to be back in the live in the theatre uh, next year. So we've got to get you in for one. You can Ooh. be. A, you don't need to be a captain. You can just. You can now sit back and and uh, and join in. You probably will Ooh, know lovely. the films. You know. All the films <laughs> um, but listen, thank you for for chatting today. Uh, it's always a joy to speak to you. Give your um, husband and um, give your mum and dad. Jill and Richard, a kiss from me. And uh, especially give your uh, baby toddler a big hug. I will do. Thanks, Gabby. So nice to talk to you. Coming up next week, it's comedian Ramesh Ranganathan. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thanks so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.